Well, speaking of where stuff got started, do you know the KISS principle? What's the KISS principle? Well, yeah, but we're in church, so we don't call people stupid. Keep it simple, saints. <laughs> it actually, and so I did a little check on that, and you know, Wikipedia, which knows everything, um, where that originated apparently was a um, aeronautical engineer, a guy named Kelly Johnson, who was one of the leading uh, uh, engineers, aeronautical engineers, for the Department of the Navy. And what he discovered over time was that the more, the, uh, more systems got <clears throat> complex, the more problems there were and the less effective they were. And so he began to say to his architects and other engineers, hey, we have to keep it simple, stupid, keep it simple. We have to keep it simple. And that just kind of took off in that environment and then it got out into the broader culture in the 1970s. And so now we have this idea of keep it simple. That isn't a new idea apparently. So Leonardo da Vinci, Leonardo da Vinci way back in his time said that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. In our present day, one of our great inventors, if you will, a man named Steve Jobs, talked about simplicity. I remember reading his biography, it was several summers ago, and <clears throat> I came across this quote from, from Jobs, and it just was one of those, like, wow, that's really good. I underlined it and highlighted it and set it aside, knowing that at some point this would be something worth sharing, and this is that point. So Steve Jobs said this, that simple can be harder than the complex. You have to work hard to get simple, uh, to get your thinking clean and to make it simple. But it's worth, but it's worth it in the end. It's worth it in the end. Because when you get there, you can move mountains. You have to get your thinking clean. And that's hard to do. But when you get there, you can move mountains. Reading that, it was, I was reminded of someone else who talked about moving mountains. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, I think what he's saying is when your faith, when that part of you gets that clean, it just takes a little bit of that kind of faith to do miraculous things. And so what Jobs ended up doing is he had this idea, this vision of taking the complex, uh, complexities of computing that was used in companies and businesses and, and uh, in government work and military work. And if we, could, if we could harness that in a way that average Joe and average Jane could access it in their homes, what would that be like? but we're gonna to have to make it simple enough to be able to do that. And that's really hard to do. 
So we're beginning this four-week series where we're going to be talking about making things in our lives more simple. This isn't about simplistic. This isn't about dumbing things down. And one of the things that we'll be reminding you, I'm sure, throughout this series is that simple isn't easy. So we're going for simple because we're getting something down to its core, to its clearest, its cleanest. And that's hard to do. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's not simplistic. It's not dumbing things down. But it's getting to the core in various parts of our lives. And so this morning, as we're kicking off, I want to talk about priorities, to simplify our priorities. Now, in this room this morning, there are people who are at different stages in your life. If you are a teenager, you have a particular group of priorities that you're working on as a teen. You have school priorities and you have things beyond school that you're interested in, whether it's sports or other activities, interests that you're involved in. You have friendship priorities that you're dealing with. Developing your own sense of your own identity is part of the process for you in your teen years. Navigating your parents, all of that, right, is part of the reality of the teenage years. On the other end of the spectrum, we have those of you who are retired. And so some of the things that you're dealing with have to do with your own identity now apart from the work that you did, your career or your job, your titles. Who am I now apart from that? Things related to your health and living on fixed incomes and, and those kinds of things become part of your reality, part of your priorities. For those of you who are raising children, you know, your priorities are uh, circulating around those realities. If you're single, talk to singles over the years. If you're single, you have your own sets of issues and priorities. Some of you are single because uh, your, your spouse died or you ended up divorced. Some of you are single, never having been married. And you live in a culture that is designed primarily for couples and families. So you have your own sets of priorities and challenges living a single life. There are two ways, two approaches, I guess, to setting priorities. One is by default and the other is by design. We set our priorities by default or by design. To set our priorities by default means that we are just living a reactionary kind of life. So we are setting our priorities based on what somebody else says, what somebody else does, what events are causing me to do, and I'm just reacting and setting my priorities according to what's happening around me. Silly example of that, of, of my own experience. This is, this is a silly one, but it's the best I could come up with. Um, when Marilyn and I were first married. One of the things she was excited about, actually, in, in uh, my family was that I grew up at the shore. I think that's why she married me, but that's, uh, she denies that. But 
So we were excited, she was excited particularly, I grew up there, she was excited about, you know, on vacations that we could go to my parents' house and we'd be there at the shore. And so one of the things that we would do, I grew up in a, a town called Ocean Grove. For those of you who don't know Ocean Grove, it was a Methodist camp meeting town. And in the center of town, they had built a huge uh, worship space, an auditorium that seats like 6,000 people. And so all summer, there would be worship services in this auditorium. And so we would go to a worship service on a Sunday morning. After worship, my family's history was we would migrate out, and there was a park right there. We'd all go to a, the same location in the park where we could find each other. This isn't just my nuclear family. This was my aunts and uncles, cousins, grandparents, whoever was there. We kind of knew this area in the park, and we would go over and uh, meet each other in the park and kind of circle up, and um, the conversation would typically go something like, so what are you going to do today? I don't know. I thought we would go to the beach. Oh, okay. I think we're going to go to the beach, too. Oh, what time? Uh, I don't know. You know, maybe after lunch. Oh, that sounds good. You know, where are we going to sit? Uh, you know, I don't know. Probably where we always sit. <laughs> so we would be doing this shtick, sh and, and it, this, was, this was my family. This is what we did. My wife was not part of this for her whole life. She was baffled by what was going on with this. She had a very clear priority. We want to go to the beach. This is not getting us to the beach. I wanted to go to the beach too, but I had to do this because this is what we do, right? That was a priority by default. I'm doing this, I've got an angry wife, but I'm doing this because this is what we do. All right, you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of setting priorities by default. You're just responding to, reacting to what is going on around. To set a priority by design, there's an intentionality about it. And when it comes to your most significant priorities, the way that you can set them by design, what you need in order to set them by design is an understanding of where you're going. Where are you going? In his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey said that one of the habits of a highly effective person is they begin with the end in mind. They know where they're going. Not in a day, not in a week, not in a year, but where they're going in life. They have a clear sense of where they want to go in their life, where they want to end up in their life. As they get toward the end of their life, they know where they want to be, who they want to be. And then they back up from there, and as they set their priorities, it's with that where in mind. So the question is, do you know where you want to go? Do you know where you want to go? For me, the answer to the where question comes out of my faith. My 
My where is I want my life to be a reflection of who Jesus is. The way we talk about it here is I want to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, knowing that when I do, it will be a blessing not just to me, but to the people in my life. And so my ultimate where is I want to conform to the image of Christ. I want my life to in some ways be a reflection of who Jesus is and who Jesus was. Jesus talked about this. And Matthew captured it in his gospel. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we have these words from Jesus. And rather than me read it to you, let's read this out loud together. So it's Matthew 6, 33. It says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek, pursue, go after, make it the where of your life. Seek the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, the way I would describe it in its simplest form, is anywhere where God's will and God's way prevails. Anywhere that God's will or God's way prevails. Ultimately, heaven is where God's will and God's way prevails exclusively. This side of heaven, we are looking within ourselves and within the broader world, where is that happening? Where is God's will and God's way the priority? Pursue that. Pursue God's will, God's way. Pursue the kingdom of God. How? Above all else. Where's that fall then in our priorities? Above all else. Where's that fall? Number one. Jesus said, make this your top priority. Seek, pursue the kingdom of God. Live righteously. Live right before God. Let God's will and God's way be in you. So if your desire is to conform to the image of Christ then your first priority is to pursue the kingdom of God and to live right. So that's my first priority. God, pursuit of God, pursuit of conforming to the image of Christ is my first priority. In 1983, I entered into a covenant relationship with Marilyn Bry. And I said to her, I will love you and honor you and keep you, forsaking all others, be faithful to you as long as I live. And she said the same thing to me. It's the only person I have ever made that covenant with. It's a promise that we made. And that became my second highest priority that this relationship was unique among all of the relationships that I had. 
And so figuring that out, you know, living that out, living into that promise. What's it look like to love and to honor and to keep and forsaking others? Out of that relationship, God blessed us with two sons. And now the two became four. There is this family now. So what's that look like? What's it look like to love, honor, keep, forsaking all others, live that out with my wife, and now with these two sons? And it looked one way when they were little itty-bitties, and it looked differently when they became adolescents, and different when they became teens, and now they're men. I'm still their dad. At each part in my life stage, I've had to look at what does it look like now to put that family as my second greatest priority with God as my first. Part of that meant, you know, I've got to have a job. I need to provide for these folks. I need to, you know, have money in order to house them and feed them and and clothe them and so forth. It just so happened that God called me to use my full-time, my full-time hours, my work hours, to work in the church. That was not my plan. You know, I've shared that with you before. That's not what I wanted to do. I really expected to go into business and to work at that while loving God, pursuing his kingdom, and loving my wife and my kids. And then figuring out what it looks like to be a Christ follower in a business environment. But that's not what God called me to do. God called me to be in ministry. All right. So in some ways, you know, my number three priority is connected to my number one priority. So I get to help others pursue God. Now that sounds, I don't know if that sounds great. That, that, it is great, but it's not always great. All right? And where it gets ungreat is when I get confused and I start treating my number three priority like my number one priority because there's similarities there. Right? When I think that the work that I'm doing in the church and the effort that I'm putting into the church and all of that is the way that I'm pursuing God exclusively, then God gets replaced or the order gets switched. And now the ministry is number one and God is number three. And when I confuse that, And it happens a lot to people in ministry. When we confuse that, you know who suffers? Number two, families. The same thing happens in your world too. Even if you have God as number one and your work as number three, sometimes it becomes like number one. Our work becomes our God. Our work becomes our complete focus or something else. And when something else is our focus over God, everything in between gets hurt. So, you know, those are my priorities, right? 
because my where is pursuing the kingdom of God, my priorities become my relationship with God, my relationship with my family, and my relationship with my work. Now that may sound good, it is good, but here's the next question. How is that reflected in my calendar? How are those priorities reflected in my calendar? Literally, in my daily, my weekly, my monthly calendar. Because if you go into my calendar and you really don't see those three things in my calendar, then they're really not my priorities. I may be given lip service to that, but if it's not being lived out in the day-to-day of my life, then it's not really a priority. So I literally have to, you know, and this is something that I've learned over years, that to make a commitment to put things in my calendar that reflect my priorities. So where is my time alone with God in my calendar? Time when I'm praying, time when I'm meditating, time when I'm um, reading God's word, where is that in my calendar? And I actually physically have that, those times in my calendar. You probably do too, right? I'm a part of a small group. The reason I'm part of a small group is not because of my third priority, not because I work here. I would be in a small group no matter what my job was. That's part of the way that I connect with God, by doing it in a small setting with other people who are also pursuing God. That's why I'm in a small group. It's connected to this priority of mine. It's why I'm in worship. Well, I'm paid to be in worship, so that, do I get credit for this? I don't think so. You get credit for this. You got up with an hour less sleep. (laughs) People who show up on this Sunday every year, there's a special place in heaven (laughs) for that group of people. You know, like there's a fence around it, you know, and people outside going, how do you get in there? Oh, well, those people, you know, daylight savings time, they were in church. Ignore everything that I just said in that whole thing. That's nonsense. (laughs) Right? But this time, this corporate time of worship is in my calendar. It's part of what I do. It's part of, clearly, it's part of what you do as well. Every time I get paid in my calendar, you know, our tithe uh, goes out. The things that uh, are supporting, you know, kingdom work, that money goes out on a regular basis. It's part of my calendar. It's part of what I do as an act of worship to God. Time that I spend with my wife and my family, we've budgeted time apart. Like some of you, I have a job that literally doesn't have ending out. Like I could work 18, 20 hour days and have at times. That's not a good thing, but it's true. And so I've had to learn to put some boundaries around that for the sake of my family. 
So Sunday is not my day of Sabbath. You know, believe it or not, I consider this work. Um, so we had to set a separate day of Sabbath, a day apart, a day of rest. And so 25 or so years ago, we decided Friday would be our day of Sabbath. And we protect that day. That's a day where I don't do ministry. I'm not checking email. I'm not um, responding to phone calls unless it's a crisis, a legitimate crisis that somebody's in. It's our day of Sabbath, our day of rest. Because life is hard. And if you're in it for the long haul, and if you want to do it in a God-honoring way, you need a day of Sabbath. You need a day of rest. Check this out. Again, this is from Matthew's Gospel. It's the 28th, uh, 11th chapter of, of Matthew, verses 28 to 30. These are the words of Jesus. And again, let's read them together because you don't need to hear me. You, you need to hear yourself say these words. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy. Does that sound like anybody you know? Anybody carrying heavy burdens? All right, Jesus said, come to me. All right, let's keep going. Take my yoke upon you. Let me... When we're carrying the heavy burdens of life, when it gets hard, Jesus said, come to me. Bring them to me. Let me help you. Right. So that's, that's part of the Sabbath idea, that I don't have to do this alone. I don't have to carry all the weight by myself. I need to bring it to him. But in order to do that, I need to set aside time in the calendar. So, what about you? Are you keeping it simple? Your priorities? It starts when you know where you're going. Where do you want to end up at the end of it all, when all of the craziness is over and when you're looking back on the landscape of your life, where do you want to be? And how do your priorities now reflect that? And are they being lived out? Are they in your calendar? So let's take a few moments and reflect. Our great and gracious God, how grateful we are that you give us a vision for our lives. Beyond the temporal, beyond the unimportant beyond the day-to-day -day, that you give us a vision, a call to your kingdom to model our lives after Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. And Lord, we fall short of that, but it's our desire to pursue it. 
as we set our priorities and as we put together our days and our weeks and our months. And so I pray that you would give us wisdom, Lord, that we would be a people who set our priorities not by default but by design. And that at the end of our days, we can look back over the landscape of our lives and see your hand, your spirit, leading and guiding and blessing us and those around us. I pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, keep it simple, saints.